Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh, it's been ages. Jules Gill, it's been ages it since has. I've been here. Look at your little face, mate. I know, my little burnt face. I'm a little burnt face, man. That's, uh, that's me in Japan. Burnt face, Japan. Um, but yes, making a grand return. I forget how long I've been away, to be honest. Uh, doing Too completely- bloody long, mate. It feels like I've, I've had my heart isolated in Siberia for uh, for a long couple of it's weeks. It's been a long time. Um, but yes, this is the Untitled Partner Podcast, the UBP, the UBP. UBP, UBP. The UBP. I'm Scott Tilford. That's Jules Gill. Yes, I am. And we get through as many uh, talk points, questions, whatever people want to know. Turns out people want to know a lot of things about Japan. Surprising um, that, right? Surprisingly, it's a beautiful country. I enjoyed my time to a ludicrous, in, incalculable degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get to some specific uh, Japan questions as we go. Um, I thought we should talk about Zelda stuff because oh, okay. I was trying, cool, to, cool, cool. trying to catch up on, you know, what did I miss when I was away? Because it was about like two and a half weeks that I was mm-hmm. away. And I literally turned my mobile phone off, uh, date, data off. I didn't keep up with anything going on in the Western world. So it was only really yesterday when I put my phone back on and I was like, oh, Zelda trailer. Oh, there's a Resident Evil thing with like a giant whip hitting people in a. Let's not talk about that because that that's. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get angry because I've already. I've already said. My, I've, I've already said my piece on what I think okay. of that new Resident Evil Dead Island. Is that what it's called? Death Island. I, I did know Death Island. Alcatraz party poppers. It's just MCU not, Avengers. Cam. Yeah. I on. I tell you, what, we will talk about it. We will, <laughs> I'll get angry in a minute. I'll wind myself up for it. But I had a big old rant about it when I was on live stream uh, a couple okay. of days ago, and oh boy, did I walk away itching. <laughs> it's well, I didn't like. I saw the clip that I think you shared or Sai shared, where it's mm. like it's to the Avengers music, and I was yeah. and I thought it was actually from the. I didn't realize that it was the Avengers music. I was oh, it's just like a general sort of cinematic score or something. But it literally is shot like a one take from an MCU movie. Yeah, that's yep. definitely what they're chasing. Yeah, because that's the best thing, isn't it? Because that's the thing to go for right now, isn't it? When everyone's like burned thing. out on the MCU, you just go like, hey, lads, remember the Avengers? <laughs> and everyone's just like, yes, Dad, we remember the bloody Avengers. Yes. So oh, look, it's me. I'm I'm phony cock. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, do you want the thing that was a big deal in 2012? Not that I'm completely pooing on the MCU, but I feel like, like you said, it's not the in thing anymore um, and hasn't been for quite some time. Yeah. I, I, oh, just uh, every single time I look at that trailer, because everyone else is going nuts for it. They're like, oh my God, all the protagonists are finally together mm. again. We get all of them. And I was like, uh, first off, we don't get Barry Burton. So zero out of 10. <laughs> that is definitely a huge sticking point for me. But also... Uh-huh. The they just don't gel very well. It's like I, oh, I don't know, man. I just feel deflated even thinking about it. You've got all of the potential 
finding your mainline stars all together mm-hmm. and you put them up against a C-tier villain who's basically just <laughs> reading from the big book of villain quotes, just uh, going like, oh yes, I will choose to wipe the slate clean. And anyone who uses, anyone, anyone who uses <laughs> the wipe the slate clean line mm. as a villain is relegated to the Sunday League, mate. Your <laughs> Sunday League football team. It's you're, just a, like... you're a pair of shirtless dads kicking around a half-deflated soccer ball and one of you <laughs> slipped on a dog turd. And pretending it's still for the kids, pretending yeah. that it's still going to uh, get a wider audience in. Yeah, it, it feels like they're sort of Jurassic Park, or sorry, Jurassic World Dominion moment where it's like, well, let's just get everyone together. That works, right? And it's like, no, we it's need your, some space. It's your least favorite thing because it's the, hey, remember this? Remember yeah. this, guy? Remember well, this? Funnily enough, you say that. I watched the Mario movie last night. I was jet-lagged oh, yeah, 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 yeah. TF uh, when I got back, but most of yesterday I spent in a, in a dizzy uh, dizzy haze. But I thought I should go see Mario because I've been looking forward to it for so long. That movie's incredible, and I get that that movie's being absolutely slated. The review scores are like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a five-star banger. Don't even tell me any different. It definitely right. works better if you know all the little references. Yeah. But oh my God, it's it's so much fun. I've heard so many conflicting things, but it seems like every single critic, as in like critical outlet, is mm. giving this like good reviews. Like IGN said it was really, really good. I know that you've said it's really good. I've seen other people it. who've said that it's really, really good and I trust their opinions on films. And the mm. people are like saying it's bad. It's like, oh, it's a very basic storyline. <laughs> and Mario is voiced by a Carissa Peratt. And I don't like the fact that he doesn't say, it's a me, Mario. The thing is, it's like, know, oh, where's the... Give, I don't give two squirts of Donkey Kong's grape juice, mate. I do not care. <laughs> as long as it is a good movie, I do not care. Genuinely, the thing, there's no more character. I get the whole thing about they wanted more character depth or tension or something. I don't know why, because From it's Mario. a... I know, that's my thing. Because <laughs> He's literally called Jumpman because that's all he did. There's also a Jumpman reference in I the know, movie. I know, I saw it. Yeah, Chris Martinet does it. Oh my god, Charles Martin is so oh, so good. Chris Martin, Charles Martin, that's what I meant. Oh, there's a bit at the very beginning after they show the Super Mario Brothers rap where mm-hmm. um, Luigi's like, "Oh, do you think we did the accents? Is that too much?" Um, and and Chris Martin, his character turns around, he's like, "No, no, it's brilliant." And, and I'm he like, even this does the little jump. Brilliant. He does the jump yes. man jump, and I was like, "Okay, cool." Like it's it's because um, who is it? Is it Illuminations? Who... Yes, Illumination, the minions right. people. They are exceptionally good at doing character movements as references Mm. there's Mm. loads and loads of things in this film like i watched somebody put out a video that was like and nearly a hundred easter eggs or little secret moments that you didn't see in that i haven't even seen the film yet and i watched that and i was like damn this actually feels like the film for me because sometimes i don't like it when it's the corporate like hey look remember this then hey remember that thing but when it's done actually in time like in tying into the source material well mm-hmm. if it feels actually connected and makes sense within the universe in which he's saying it not just mm-hmm. a wink wink nudge nudge then absolutely fine I'm there for it honestly like uh, Shigeru Miyamoto was like apparently heavily involved with it and you can tell like it feels the, the worst parts of it are where it becomes an illumination film and they just put um, I, uh, holding out for a hero or like I've heard that the pop take songs on are bad. me yeah, there's like five pop song moments in it that are really jarring because they just don't fit. They just feel like they're thrown in there. Mm. But the overall score, uh, I think it's by Brian Tyler or something, right. um, is unbelievable. Like they take so many little motifs and melodies and little things from like uh, every, the entire history of Super Mario yeah. um, and just make them into this great operatic, uh, sorry, a great like cinematic score. Um, I literally legit like teared up when the full theme came in because I'm nice. that much of like, I was enjoying it so much. Um, it's beautiful, man. I think that stuff is so much fun. However, do you think that your viewpoint was altered slightly because you had literally just gone to Nintendo brainwashing head HQ, aka yeah, Super bit. Mario yeah. World theme park. Yeah, they don't call it that uh, over there. They call no, they it don't, wait, wait seven hours to go on the Mario Kart ride, and we all just Sorry, go, what? yes, sir. 
Oh yeah. Oh my god. Wait, what? Oh yeah. So um the Super Nintendo World as an overall experience is one of my favorite things I've ever done in my life and I mm-hmm. recommend it as a park. I especially recommend it if you're a Nintendo fan and obviously quadruply so if you're a Mario fan. But the way they organize the lines and the access is abysmal. It is psychotic. Right. There's a whole thing in that um the uh, Universal Studios uh, overall park that it's part of where you buy an area ticket. That's what you buy online and that gets you into the hub, the middle piece. That's what everything plugs into. So you can go into Jurassic Park, Park World, you can go right. to Harry Potter Land, you can go to Nintendo yeah. World. There are separate tickets uh, for the area itself, and only um, Harry Potter and Nintendo have area tickets. And you can't buy area tickets in advance. Um, you can buy a queue jump, but you can't buy the area ticket. So what you have to do what? is spend an amount of money to get into the area itself. Obviously, it's very busy. There's a lot of queues and everything. And then and you when buy you're... the microtransaction. <laughs> yes, when you're, uh, when you're in the area, right. sorry, when you're in the hub area and you want to go to Nintendo World, you then have to buy... Uh, sorry, you don't have to book the area uh, slot that you need to be into. Right. But if you're doing that on the day, which you will be, unless you get there half an hour early or an hour earlier or whatever, which is like 6 a.m., yeah. um, let's say you get there at 8 a.m. like we did, which is still an hour and a half before the park is listed to open, the opening slot for the Super Nintendo World was seven hours away. So we had to what? kill seven hours in the Universal. And the only remedy for that is getting up at like yeah. 6 a.m. And, and hoping there's a slot earlier than that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. That is insane. But you can, did you say you could buy a Q-skip thing as well? So the, yeah, so the, the microtransaction stuff, to give it like a Tim, <laughs> is you can buy a, a band. It's called a power-up band that you put on your wrist. Of course and that it does, is. That, it, that lets you interact with the park itself when you're in. So you can punch the question blocks and like, everything reacts. It's That <laughs> stuff is so much fun. Um, okay. I love that stuff. But that's a separate price thing. Right. Um, but yeah, the only other thing you can do to mitigate wait time is buy a Q-jump. But that doesn't work in terms of getting you into the area earlier. You're still waiting seven hours to get into the area. And then if you've paid the additional <laughs> okay. Okay, you know, man, money, man, you can man. skip the queue. I, I feel like you're Charlie Day and always sunny, look, <laughs> pointing at the board full of that and just going like, who's Pepe Sylvia? Like, I genuinely, oh. I know you've explained it to me uh, uh, maybe about three times already. Oh, I God. don't understand the it's process so of stupid, what you're saying. Right, let me see if I've, I've collected the information correctly. Yes. So I want to go to uh, Nintendo World. <laughs> so I buy my universal ticket. That uh-huh. gets me into the hub world. Yes. Then to go to the lost levels, I need to pay <laughs> Nintendo an extra fee to get inside there. But I can, well, only do that. Fee, I, can only, but... I can only do that on the day and I can... Yep. And it will only give me a time slot of which I'm allowed to go in. So, and yeah, you so don't get to choose that time slot. It's just whatever's available to you. Yes, and by literally. the time you got there, it was already sold out for the immediate access. And you had to wait seven hours, even yes. though you were early. That yes. is That makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> the, whatsoever I've brother. never had such a crushing realization of just the person. Because you, you bring up the times that are available um, on the app. So it's just sort of like you're there. It's 8 a.m. You've got up early. Obviously, we had to travel to the park itself. Um, even though we were in Osaka, you still had to travel for like, I don't know, half an hour or something to get there um, and you're dazed and confused Led Zeppelin style and then you bring up the list of slots thinking well we're here it's 8am yeah, we're yeah, early if yeah. anything yeah, it's um, not then, open yet <laughs> no and then one of the park um, people who was looking after the place was like and your next slot is uh, 10 to 5 was 4.50 and we were like it's 8 a.m. Did did they at least do it in like a funny voice to in character? Was it like Toad or was it like a bureaucrat? <laughs> it's just like, I'm sorry to say that you can't come in. 
<laughs> I don't know if I would have been it better or worse, uh, but no, it was just the crushing realization of because obviously to them it's every day. That's what that's just the way that it works, mm. um, and so it was just like no, of course, of course you've got an eight hour wait. Don't worry about it. Just go in because then we were like, well, uh, what are we going to do for seven to eight hours? We can't do anything. We haven't got tickets for anything else. And so um, the woman was just like, well, just go enjoy the park. What park? There's no park. <laughs> no, like, you basically like you look over there and you ca- you uh, meet, meet the eye of Harry Potter, like one of the Harry Potter people. And it's just like, oh come on, come on, let's go. Let's go. Oh, God damn, I looked at him. I made eye contact now. I've got to go and speak to them. Uh, well, I go on then, tell me what this wizarding world's all about then. Yeah, like because we ended up like sort of doing loops around like the Jurassic Park world because you can get into like the beginnings of each hub world because like they're all plugged into like, the, the, you can get into the entrances that connect to the hub world in the middle. Um, but obviously we're not going to pay yeah. um, to go on some of the other rides. But even then, all those queues are like 70 minute, 80 minute. Yeah, because, yeah, because they're, they're going to be uh, theme parks themselves. They are literally yes. like... And it's like, that's the other thing that they sell you is the express ticket to skip those queues, which works for uh, Nintendo Land's queues, but obviously you can't get to Nintendo because you're waiting for your slot, but like even then, you can't upgrade your standard ticket to an Express Pass because we've already bought the regular one. You have to do it early. And like this it's is a just, bureaucratic nightmare, mate. Oh. This is this is this sounds draining to the extreme. Do you know what yeah. I imagine? Is that as all of this information is like being loaded into your cerebral cortex, you're <laughs> processing it all, you feel the ghostly hand of Sonic on your shoulders. He goes, <laughs> I'd never treat you like this, guy. Let's go play some Sonic Frontiers, hey! <laughs> to be fair, I mean I guess that's it's quite telling that like because I went to a lot we went to a lot of um themed cafes, Kirby, Pokemon, yeah. Final Fantasy, um, went to a Capcom cafe. Um I didn't find a safe go on at all so I didn't, I didn't oh, even know if this is Sonic one um, but they, they couldn't do that stuff but yeah I, I was sitting there for my seven hours just baking in the sun as my skin burned I was just like okay I need to do like a PSA like a video for this just go hey by the way the way that this stuff is organized is horrific and you'll be stuck waiting for hours unless you get there super early like, and I'm even a, then it's just a lottery for I'm it. not gonna lie mate this is like pure shouting Freud for me because I am like I'm loving your pain in this it's like it's, it's entertaining to me and the oh, only way God. it would be even funnier is if you were dressed up like Bowser or I, like Mar- honestly, you had to do like a seven hours stint in the country. in the morning right when we were, when we, we got there we had our we had our paper tickets so we had the regular area pass so we had the regular hub access yeah. pass thing and we were going up to the Nintendo portion of the park with that pass thinking well that'll get us in and I was super excited and I was like walking up this big path and oh my god and the music's playing and the coin noises are triggered by you walking past them and I was like this is going to be phenomenal and I was like oh I can't wait to get in there and buy like a Bowser hat and buy all this stupid BS that I don't need I'm going to have the best time ever and then just to be roadblocked to be sandbagged to be punched in the face by like the person got you can't actually go in for another seven hours it was just the most every part of that just drained out of me where i was like well i'm not going to buy the bowser head now i'm not going to buy the the, the toad drinks carton if 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 uh, they had said sorry uh, scott your tickets in another castle that would have been the, that would be the only way they would have saved it <laughs> you got to go spend time in the uh, the water world exhibition because oh, they've got that on the side but um, <laughs> Tell you what, though, we did. We, we spent seven hours killing time. Uh, there, was a, there was a lovely little uh, parade that went around the Universal thing. Got nice. some Mario Karts and stuff in there. When we finally got into Super Nintendo World, it was phenomenal. It was incredible. I wouldn't say rec- I would never recommend someone wait seven hours for anything at this point. But um, but. What was there was absolutely phenomenal. I love my time there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole thing with like the whole park is like gamified. So you're sort of doing different mini games to then fight Bowser Jr. Who I love Bowser Jr. anyway. Yep. Um, and so like you do this thing where you're like, it's like a silhouette of you because it's like backlit. And then it's like the eye toy where you're sort of punching missiles and jumping over oh, no jumping way. over stuff. You properly fight him. And if you get hit, you shrink and your, your silhouette shrinks. So you're a little, you're little, little tiny That's you fighting so him. That's so cool. It's genuinely really, really cool. Um, and so it is beautiful. It's a really, really great park. And I understand why they were 
restrict people the area past thing because mm. they can't have too many people in there um, for it would be, just be too busy. Um, but seven hours, Jules. Do you know what the funny thing is, mate? Seven hours is pretty much the same amount of time that we spent talking about this when, when originally we started talking about <laughs> Zelda. <laughs> Yeah, we, so, haven't, we haven't even answered a single question yet. I've mate. not even done anything. My, I, I definitely needed to let the world know, or the portion of the world that listens to this podcast, that the way all the queues in the area stuff is organized at Universal yeah. Nintendo is abysmal, yeah. at least for the Japan one. Um, but yeah, we should talk about uh, the Zelda Tears of the Kingdom stuff because that sure. was something uh, that I think broke yesterday. I've sort of yes, barely sir. kept up with anything. Um, but it's, it's how much is it just nuts and bolts? It's just Banjo-Kazooie nuts and bolts. Don't say that to me. Don't ruin this game for what me. What do you mean? No, it literally is. Uh, to be fair, though, the, Legend um, of the, bolts. the moment that a lot of people have uh, screened Shot and uh, center crosses mm. clips has just been the the single like three or four frames of Link riding the battle block basically. <laughs> yeah. It's a big like fridge a, with some wheels it's, on. It's it. a fridge with wheels on that's just firing a cannon at this thing, and I was like, <laughs> "What a weird contraption!" Like Nintendo was just there, like. Look at this amazing world we've created. Look at the fact mm. that Ganondorf is back. Look at all of these heroes that will be supporting Link on his journey. Look at all the emotion, the drama. And then it's just like, clinky clonky, binky bonky. It's just like... <laughs> it's the Homer Simpson car. Like, it's oh, literally yeah. the Homer yeah. Simpson car applied could, to The Legend of Zelda. Could they not have made a slightly cooler looking car for the trailer that's meant to sell it? <laughs> but the only thing that I look at when I think of this, I'm just like, you go like, wait, what? What was that? It's just, <laughs> I don't... I mean, I'm up for it. It's a weird, yeah. weird game. The way they've rolled it out, obviously, they held a lot of stuff back and then very recently because it's out next month they've sort of said yeah. like okay fine we'll show you guys what we've been making um, <laughs> oh, fine I guess yeah, you fine, want to pre-order like, it then but it's just the, it's the weirdest thing because it does look so similar to Breath of the Wild but then it is this like weird DLC style add-on thing that obviously I get the more story it's going to feel like a sequel but yeah. at first glance it looks like a bunch of mods for Breath of the Wild um, I've got no I'm, problem with it because it's like no. did you watch the gameplay um, expansion trailer they did as yes. well where it showed you how to, that you could fuse items together and you had mm. all of these other little bits like that, put like uh, a kettle on the end of a stick or something yeah like like that alone is going to create a lot of variant variants in gameplay like my biggest worry about going into Tears of the Kingdom was because Breath of the Wild was so different from its predecessors, that's why it received such universal acclaim because mm. it was basically saying like, look, we have perfected the dungeon crawler style adventure game that we, uh, you know and love. Now mm. let's apply the open world formula to it. Mm. If And a lot of people were amazed by it and I don't think you'll get that same sense of amazement going into Tears of the Kingdom because it is the same backbone that this is being built on. Mm -hmm. So adding in these new elements of how you approach combat, how you approach traversal, those actually, when you boil it down, are the two biggest things that you need to nail in an open world game. What is the thing that you and I always say is the bugbear of the open world world genre? It's having too much space with nothing to do and doing the same thing over and over again. Being able to build your own car, bike, plane, whatever it is that they're allowing you to do in this game, and then attack enemies with custom-made weapons similar to the sort of Dead Rising franchise of comboing things together. Mm -hmm. Those two aspects there, they're going to give longevity to the game, even if it was exactly the same map. So I'm Mm -hmm. actually quite interested in how they've approached that. Yeah, I remember the very beginning of Breath of the Wild, and one of the greatest things about that game is just improvising every combat scenario. Mm. And I like the whole one of the first uh, group of like moblins or whatever that you find. There's a big boulder on the edge of a cliff, and it's like, well, yeah, you can probably gonna, go yeah. up there and push it off. I like the idea of just thinking in a different way with this, where it's like I can probably attach some propellers to that boulder and then fly it into them, and then fly it to the next mission goal or something, um, or like reverse time and see where something yeah. came from or whatever. So like, yeah, that is really interesting. I'm kind of just kind of waiting for it all to like come together as I play it. 
head, I guess, at this I point. I guess if I was to say that my, uh, if I had any concerns, it would probably mm. be the sense of if those combo weapons are so powerful, if there is one type of vehicle that's just incredibly better than others, it, once players find out the hacks, then you're just going to end up creating those types of weapon over and over yeah. again. Like, at least in Breath of the Wild, you had to improvise with your weapons because they would have the durability and you would only be able to get them from finite areas and fi find them in like mm. uh, specific locations. Whereas this one is like, say you've got 10 sticks in your back, uh, a bag and you've got the kettle like you were saying before and that turns out to be the best <laughs> weapon in the game. Like mm. that then is going to remove the variance that I was just saying they're introducing because people will just play it the same way. It's a common mm. thing that... Um, it's kind of like the Oxbow Lake. Remember learning about that in geography, mate? And it rings a bell. I was terrible at geography. It's, it's basically when you've got like a little S bend in a river, right? And okay. uh, the water erosion is going to go against one side of it. And over hundreds and hundreds of years, eventually it will uh, erode all the way through that, uh, that little section. And it will create a little island on its own because the water will want to get to its destination uh, the quickest way possible. And okay. I feel like gaming is exactly the same way. <laughs> if there is a path of least or lesser uh, resistance... And gamers are always going to take that path. That's it. When you see like a uh, like the edge of like some some well cut grass, and then it's just like a muddy path walked to cut between yes, the, like to cut exactly the corner. Exactly that. It's like it's we like will the... not waste that extra second. <laughs> we got to get there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Zelda seems like just looks really cool. I like that they've sort of played their cards really close to their chest. I'm just when I looked at it, I thought of nuts and bolts, and I don't mind that game. Um, so oh, I'm I kind do. of up for the whole. <laughs> oh, I do <laughs> immensely. Uh, the whole like like I don't know stumble and Homer Simpson your way through a game thing. Mm -hmm. So hopefully it fits better here than it did then. And um, we should get to some questions though because I sure. forget if I mentioned that the UBP is all about uh, whatever game in question. <laughs> yeah, what other people think, not just what we think. People have um, tons of Japan questions. Like I said, I don't want to make this a Japan Japan podcast. Absolutely I'll reply fine. to a lot of people um, on Twitter as well because I want to give more advice and stuff because I did go all out. We've been saving up for years. This was a dream trip, and we yep. managed to uh, do Tokyo, Kyoto, and Osaka. So it was a lot of stuff. Um, Willie Araya and Jarvis both asked uh, what were the best. Uh, geekiest gaming things that it did in Japan. I'll probably just say the um, Super Nintendo World, um, mm -hmm. but also paying ludicrous amounts for the Pokemon Cafe and the Kirby Cafe, um, and being being danced at by a giant Pikachu in the Pokemon Cafe. <laughs> Not too um, at aggressively. No, okay, very much dances at you. Um, it was very fun. Um, I think uh, yeah, doing the Final Fantasy Cafe, like just any of the gaming themed cafes, I think are really really fun. The best one by far is Kirby. Um, just the the food's actually really good. Is and, it like, though, mate? It is. is it's is really it actually good? though because there is a Warhammer Cafe out in Japan that they have just opened up in Tokyo as well called the Knights Cafe. Plug, 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 plug. Yeah. Go there. Go get served by, I don't know, if a space marine actually serves you there, but still. <laughs> he just chainsaws your steak in half. Yeah, it goes everywhere. <laughs> through the table. I'll tell you what, the um, the worst one by far is the Capcom one. Um, that oh, one was just dead. Man. And the actual things that were on offer were just largely tasteless. Um, but if you want a, a sort of weird jelly cocktail that looks like Mega Man, then you can. But um, there's not jelly much else to it. cocktail. Yeah, it was a bit weird, uh, a little bit weird. But the um, Kirby stuff was really, really good. Kirby mm. Burgers. Um, Kirby's just one of the best characters ever. So eating his face over and over again was... He's a really good character. He's got loads going on. Oh, he's, got, he's got loads going on, mate. He's so... He's, he's one of the greatest characters ever in video games. Oh. I love Kirby and he loves me. And um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll just go with that. Super Nintendo World, um, absolutely phenomenal. But we bought so much swag. We visited like five Pokemon centers nice. um, across Japan. Um, because my wife was collecting all the evolutions for Eevee. Um, so we've got a collection of Eevee plushes at this point and all the exclusive Pikachus per region because we're just that freaky. Did you play Pokemon Go when you were out there? Did you make use oh, yeah. of that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Anything, well, any exclusive stuff there? 
Uh, they had, I'm not sure if it was over here as well, but they had, because we went over for the Cherry Blossom Festival, which is like a whole, like it's kind of like yes. the uh, autumnal, wintry mm-hmm. kind of period. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously all the uh, all the cherry blossom trees, all the sakura trees go beautifully like pink and they blossom and it's really, really gorgeous. Um, so we timed it for that. And luckily we managed to, the season moved around a bit, but we managed to line up with it. Um, so in Pokemon Go, they had some like cherry blossom themed Pokemon. Um, I don't know if they were over here because I guess the time, the festival is still going on around mm-hmm. the world, mm-hmm. I guess, but obviously it's more specific to Japan, um, but I caught a Pikachu with a little Sakura uh, cherry blossom and oh, Ted. that's cool! And uh, there was a Baniri. There was like three or four Pokemon that were all like cherry blossom themed. Um, but these days for Pokemon Go, I mean, it's been seven years since that game came out. Um, I tend to just catch a Pokemon when I'm doing anything of note and just call it whatever I'm doing. Right. So, and then okay. I, I just treat it like a weird living diary thing. So I've got like Pokemon called like Cousin's Wedding or like Landing in Kyoto or whatever. Um, and, and everyone so, loves that yeah. Squirtle that's just called Seven Hours. <laughs> I don't think I captured. I don't think I caught See, one during that because I was like, uh, that would be the first thing I would have done. I want to remember like, play that. a game. Just, just literally, just go like, right, fine. Look, I'm bored. I've got to waste seven <laughs> hours. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So it's like that's suddenly remembering the flights on the way there. It's like, oh, I remember the 13-hour <laughs> flight we did. Yeah, that was fun. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, yeah, definitely played a lot of Pokemon Go. Did an absolute ton of Pokemon stuff in general. Um, and just, I'd say the single most geeky thing was when I got my power-up band for Nintendo World, I jumped like Mario and I punched the block above me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I, I felt, I've never felt more complete. Um, and I am married, but I, I felt like that was, uh, that was an incredible <laughs> thing to do. You've got the um, power band resized now and it's become your wedding ring. <laughs> shrink it down yeah, yeah. to make a little rubber ring. 
Um, I'll tell you what's really cool, and it's not that cool because they're clearly really overpriced. But you can't everyone say it's really those. cool and then immediately say it's not that well, it's cool. cool. It's cool to me, an absolute <laughs> freak who loves the Super Mario movie. Um, but the power-up bands double as their characters' amiibos. So, like, Mario, I think, is quite rare or quite expensive now. Yeah. Um, but if you drop whatever the stupid amount of money is on a power-up band, you can. Um, it has amiibo tech in it, so you can use oh, that on your Switch. That's um, cool. And then just act like you have the amiibo or whatever. If you're an absolute madman and likes your amiibos, like I do. Yeah, um, fair play. I did have a question from Adam Davies saying, did I get a knife in Kyoto? Now, I wanted a Sorry, fancy... <laughs> did you get knifed in Kyoto? <laughs> did you get blinded? Did I acquire a knife? Right. Um, I wanted a specific... You've probably seen them. There's like really, really super sharp Japanese knives. They're called Yuto knives. Um, and it's the same way that um, samurai swords used to be made. That, techno- that technology... Steel. That yeah, yeah, it's like folded and, and tempered and it becomes mm. this extremely sharp uh, kitchen knife. Um, and so I didn't get a knife in Kyoto, but I did tweet about that or I replied to this dude and he recommended, um, you know, being able to bring it back in a suitcase and stuff. Um, I did get one from Osaka. I got like a really like badass, huge Kyoto knife. So I was just like... How was that getting through customs? Well, it, did, it went through the... As long as it's in a suitcase, it's okay. Oh, okay. So fair like yep. the UK has a thing where you can't bring uh, bladed weapons and stuff back into the country. So like the length of that knife was like just enough that it wasn't classed ooh, as a sword. Ooh, so like, ooh. not that it was a big long knife, but like, if you got a longer one, it would have been yeah. like illegal yeah, yeah. or something. But yeah, the the temptation to just buy a bunch of katanas and stuff when I was there was very strong. <laughs> I'll tell you what I did do um, as well. I threw some uh, ninja stars. Oh, nice, I, um, nice. I was, uh, we went to the Osaka castle and there was like a, a thing where you um, paid, I think it was like 300 yen. And you could pick up like five shurikens and just ping them into a wall. Amazing. That was incredible. I wait, massively wait, wait, recommend so, that. Wait, wait, wait. So, sorry. So, was, this a, was this a legitimate vendor? Or was it just a guy just being like, just, a guy. Uh, just throw some shrapnel at a wall, kids. 300 yen. <laughs> I've got this carrier bag. With, uh, you're throwing with it against the side it. of the castle. You're like, uh, like eroding the, the historical <laughs> monument, just pinging bits off the plaster. It's uh, Yeah, that was really, really fun. Um, so... Um, other stuff for Japan, uh, it was just people saying that they're going to be going soon and what mm-hmm. would I recommend? Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely recommend uh, putting the time into learning the language. I've um, I've done Japanese lessons for about half a year. So um, even though it's all really basic stuff, it is enough to order some food to say thank you to, um, you know, point to different things in a shop and be like this and this and this. I would like to buy this. Thank you very much. Um, you know, this looks beautiful or whatever. And who yeah. did you learn with, mate? I just went with Duolingo. Right, okay, so, right, okay, right. Um, so listen, yeah. Duolingo, this is a free plug right now. Scott managed to survive <laughs> in Japan, which is one of the hardest languages to learn, Japanese, and he managed to survive using your app. Sponsor us, all right? They, I, I would, I, That's a I, free one. That's a free one. They, I, uh, yeah, I thought that stuff was... Um, their app sometimes bugs the F out no, and just no, saves no, you no, stuff. No, not on this ad read. Not on this ad read, mate. That's absolutely fine. Bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. It's, uh, it's be- I, I did get um, complimented on my Japanese by a woman in um Boom, in testimonial. Yeah, next to Shinjuku in Tokyo. So that was very nice. And it was it was lovely speaking the language. I love I just this is really cheesy but I love connecting with people. I love talking other languages. Um I absolutely love that a whole ability to like especially when you've been in a queue with people who are just sort of pointing and yelling at people and going like can I have this? Yeah. This thing please. Yeah. Yeah. And then I could go up and just say something like kore kurasai or whatever. And like that was like that felt cool. That felt like okay, I can make this easier for you. We can actually have a conversation or something. Um so that was fun. I definitely recommend putting some time into the language stuff. Nice. Um, I'll make a point of replying to um, a lot of other people because I do want to try and give as much specific feedback as possible sure. without making this into a Japanese podcast. Yep. Um, so I'll get there. Um, someone, this is a hybrid question for me and you from Andy Taylor who okay. said, what was my favorite place and favorite food from Japan? But also, Jules, on a scale from 1 to 100, how excited are you for the new Warhammer 40k 10th edition? Keep up the bed podcast in the land. Well, thank you very much. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, you answer your side of the question and then I'll transition it to mine. 
I will go for as much as I loved um, ramen and like uh, all the tempura stuff and getting mm, lost in you know mm. tempura squids and everything. Um, I loved lost in them, mate. Lost, just in lost them. drowning in them. Um, <laughs> the thing I absolutely adored was when we found this really cool uh, wagyu beef place, and um, where it was like they have a really cool thing in Japan where they just give you a touch tablet and you just tap on it what you want to order and then just order. Oh, and so you just so, so you don't just bring need you to worry about like the language barrier. In that no, sense, and like some of them have. Them. Ah. Yeah, some of them just have like translation stuff built oh, in, yeah, but it's like yeah. you just kind of order a bit and if you want seconds or you want a bit more food you just tap it in they bring you more just eat as much as you want um that was cool we found this really great wagyu place which i forget the name of now but it was in osaka um where wagyu beef was just phenomenal it's just mm, like sort of mm. flambéing it on this insanely huge flame um and being able to do that also economiyaki it's like a savory pancake um Ooh, where they use right up my street it's it's really nice um you'd have to break your vegan rule but they it's like ah. a mix of um oh my god it's like prawns uh pork i think different meats and stuff they basically make a, a mix like a pancake mix mm, and it mm, has like mm. it looks like pancake batter but all the ingredients are savory um, and then they tip it out like on your table and you have like a skillet thing in front of you so it slowly becomes a pancake in front of you nice, and you have to flip it and keep nice. it together and then you like finish it off with like a specific sauce and some mayo and stuff mm. um, so we had a few of them in Tokyo and Osaka um, so I definitely recommend that you really can't go wrong I mean everything is absolutely incredible um, also um I think it's called Shinsekai. Um, I'm getting the name wrong, but there's a bunch of small pubs like Izakayas, and you also get a bunch of like skewer-based food. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I've heard about this, yeah. I, I might be getting kind of, the name it's, wrong. It's basically like their version of bar snacks, isn't it? Kinda, yeah. Like all the Izakaya stuff I love. It's like you go in and it's just like a bar of like three or four seats and it's mm. like the bartender is just like, I have these five drinks and I'll tell you all about them and like yeah. you just sort of get to sample stuff. We had some really good uh, plum sake. Ooh, and um, nice. but when you're in those places, they maybe do like some specific food or something. Um so yeah, I, you really can't go wrong. The standard of food is sky high. Um even the vending machines, they had like heated coffee in the vending machines, which mm. is like that was really, really fun. Um tell me about Warhammer, lest I keep talking at you about Japan. Well, we moved from one delicious snack over to to another because I've been <laughs> chowing down on all of the morsels of information that Games Workshop have been drip feeding us uh, over mm. the past couple of weeks because there is a brand new edition of Warhammer coming along and this is a big deal Scott because okay. of the fact that it's not just a case of like hey look um, we've updated a few things here and there most of the times when they do a new edition the whole rule set the way of playing the entire game <laughs> changes immensely I'm no really looking chainsaws. forward to it because of the fact that I I love a bit of change and difference Ninth edition is very complicated in places I do mm-hmm. hope that they stick to the mantra of simplifying some of it although i don't think they will because i feel like they are just trying to sell us index cards and codexes now instead (laughs) of just one or the other um i'm looking forward to the new models i'm looking forward to playing new variant submission types i'm also Mm -hmm. kind of enjoying the fact that they are removing the 500 point limit which is the smallest battles and they've introduced a 3,000-point game. So that means even bigger battles, even That's crazier kind of things going on. So that means that... Uh, and also I found out the other day, thanks to a uh, Warhammer community post, of which I have been featured on, plug, 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 plug. Oh, here he is. Um, I know, right? Uh, Flex, Flex McMuscle. Um, <laughs> I uh, found out that the Orc Stomper, which, Scott, is basically... Think of the biggest robot in your mind, right? Right, okay. think of it. Double yeah. it. <laughs> double it, mate. Double it, right? You have to double it. It's double it. And then instead of it, instead of it being made out of nice shiny parts, it's made out of scrap metal that have been fused together by orcs and goblins, right? That's okay. So it's looking pretty ugly, right? Mine's like a giant double Gundam that's just yep, sort of yep. you've, you've literally apart. you've literally got it right <laughs> there. Uh, that is called a stomper, and stompers in the ninth edition were toughness eight. And I know what you're thinking, Scott. You don't know how to play this game. Toughness eight doesn't sound I, like much. I, I barely even know what you're referring to. It's but, still yeah. it's still pretty high though. In the in tenth edition, they're tough. 14 
What? That's can all you, you can't imagine? even get near I, them. You can't even imagine that, Scott. I'm looking at your face. You, you, I can't <laughs> tell if it's confused or just the fact that you're what, trying um, to process the information of how tough this thing is. What toughness would you be as a, as you right now? Oh, so as a regular a, a man, man baby. Um, yeah. So, well, put it this way. Uh, regular humans in the 40k verse are toughness three. So I would probably okay. be toughness two. <laughs> <laughs> so, so toughness 14, though, is like an order of magnitude. Oh, yeah, great. it's quite big. It's quite <laughs> big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so you so might yeah. go for a healthy 100 of excitement towards oh, this yeah, new yeah. Warhammer thing. I, I mean, I'm always uh, there's always a bit of trepidation going into it because it's like, what if the game that I play every single week with my friends is changing for the worst? Mm. But I am still holding out hope that GW know what they're doing. <laughs> that's an in joke. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, I'm excited, very very excited. That sounds cool. Next question from Jacobs, who says, "What was the first concert you ever attended?" Concert. I was lucky enough to be. Concert. Ooh. I was lucky enough to have Chiodos, Coheed and Camry, and Linkin Park be mine. Hell of a show. That's a hell of a trio of bands. That is a good one as well. I mean, I've, I've seen Coheed and Camry live once. They were on... Same. It wasn't the Taste of Chaos tour, but it was like a Kerrang tour that they did, which was a re- mm. weird mix because it was Coheed and Cambria, Fight Star, and oh I believe... God. I want to say it was Medina Lake. I want to say call. that. I, know, I saw man. an interview with uh, Charlie... I was going to call him Charlie Day. Charlie yeah. Simpson? Yeah, Charlie that Simpson, is? that's it. Yeah, 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 there was an interview with Charlie Simpson the other day, and I was like, I've not thought about Charlie Simpson in about 20 years. Yeah. Like, that, was a, that was a long time. Um, Coheed and Cambria were brilliant because um, Claudio yep. Sanchez, that's the least. Claudio Sanchez, yeah. yeah. Um, he uh, had he did loads of guitar changes throughout the mm. gig, as you would, because it's obviously he plays crazy riffs. Yeah, he loves a different tuning for every part of a song. And he gets out this white double-necked guitar yes. that had a white feathered angel wing coming yep. off the strap. And I was like, this, he's <laughs> literally the one-winged angel Sephiroth. So I was like, yes, oh, man. this is amazing. I, uh... So Coheed had uh, download. It was I forget what year that would have been in, but yeah, Coheed's new album by the way is phenomenal. Like mm, in terms of mm. you know, a lot of people got into them on that volume four, the one with like Welcome Home and stuff. But oh, they're, yeah, then good ones. Apollo. Yeah, good Apollo on Burning Volume Four. Yeah. Two eyes of the, 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 the longest name in history. Like I love it yeah. because it's like you feel like whenever you're talking <laughs> to music fans and you have to recommend an album and you start <laughs> with something like it's like uh, uh, Episode Four, uh, God, Good Apollo on Burning, and then just like, you see their eyes glaze over like, what are no, you done. saying? What, yeah, why this is the album song, just called is... like Madman or like <laughs> Smash, like most other things? Actually, have you heard the new uh, Metallica stuff yet? That album's out today. I have heard the new Metallica stuff. I liked mix, the first one, which was that... Uh, <clears throat> Lux Turner. I was going to call it Viva La Viva Viva uh, because I couldn't remember what it was actually called. Yeah, Lux Turner. I thought that that was fine, like yeah. a good 7 out of 10 song. Mm-hmm. And then I heard the other one that was after that and I was like... Nah, nah, Screaming nah. Suicide was a bit naff. And then yeah. uh, If Darkness Had a Son. Uh, yeah, there's... I don't know. I, I haven't got through the whole album yet and I've heard the final song is like maybe the best thing they've ever done. It's like this 11 minute like epic thing where Headfield's just talking about like um, his addiction and giving it, and he's right. divorced, and okay. like he's just laying it all out about where he's at in his life. And I was like, "That's that's really cool." Um, I want to see what that sounds like. That's the one problem that I've had with Metallica over the mm. years is that uh, when they were struggling, when they were on the come up, it mm. was interesting because you could feel the anger, you could feel the passion. It gave their lyrics real biting edge because it mm. was like they were spitting in your face because they were the new sound on the block and you were going to learn to love them. Mm. But as the years have gone on and they've become a bit soft around the edges, so too is their music. It hasn't had mm. that bite because what do you complain about when you have had everything? <laughs> when you have become the most hated band in the world thanks to that Napster thing that yeah, Lars Ulrich yeah. came out with, it's a mm. case of like you're fighting an image while trying to present another image like we're still cool and hip whereas 
So that's when like Lux Turner came out. I was like, okay, maybe there is a bit of energy back in the band mm. now. But then the other well, two I that came like... out after us, I was a bit like, eh. Yeah. I know. I quite like the stuff that, like, because Hef- Hefield's only gone more inward. Like, he's always just been able to do that. Like, I, I'm, I'm obviously just saved. Metallica's one of my favorite bands. Mm. So, like, I have a Metallica tattoo and everything. So, I, I quite like that he's sort of gone more introspective. And I love Spit Out the Bone off Hardwired, yes. where he's just yeah. talking about, like, rejecting, giving into technology and algorithms and everything. I was like, that's cool. Um, but yeah, the new one, um, there's a song called Shadows Chase Me or something. I think that's yeah. really good. It's like the third song or something. Um, I, but I've not got through all of it yet. I can't remember where it was or how I even ended up on this video, but there was the band um, talking to. To different celebrities who say that mm. they were inspired by Metallica and <clears throat> Elton John, Sir Elton John phones in and right. says basically like uh, this song is amazing, it's absolutely Oh, but nothing else matters. Yeah. yeah, and and you could see um, Hetfield just going like oh, bloody hell, this is actually yeah. amazing because you think of Metallica as being the untouchables in that sense of like they've gotten to that the top of the metal mountain mm. and they've never been usurped by in the eyes of many fans. But mm. to have somebody come over from a pop adjacent sphere and say your work influenced me and I love what you do, that mm. must be amazing to be recognized by your peers at that level. Mm. Well, the stuff as well with like um, Hetfield's vocal ability has only gotten better. Like, there's a there's yeah. some stuff on this new album that he's singing in ways that he's never like sung before. And I was like, I like that he's pushing himself, even at like I don't know how, how old he is, late mm, late fifties. Mm, mm. um, and it's like that's really really impressive. Like, even the chorus for Luxie Turner is like one of the most projected sort of big choruses yeah. he's done. Um, and like that stuff's really really cool. So, but yeah, in terms of uh, the first gig, uh, my first one that I bought because I used to always go with my friends. Uh, friends would play music in high schools or like in different um, bars and clubs and stuff. And so I did that for ages for my live music thing. Yeah. I think the first band that I paid money for, I think, was Velvet Revolver. Whoa, um, and it was okay. right when they were breaking up. It was sort of like they were coming to uh, like Newcastle, like northeast of England, where we are, or where I was. And um, they were coming up. So I was like, oh, I should go see Velvet Revolver. Yeah. And I think they broke up like the week after. Um, <laughs> but I think that was my first paid for gig. I never did that thing that a lot of people do where they go and see radio bands when they're like five or something. They go yeah. see S Club 7 or whatever. I never did that. So... Mine would be Velvet Revolver, as ridiculous as that is. I was in the same boat where I didn't actually go to any sort of like pop or gigs or anything like that. I just, Mm. I went to, was the first, I think the first gig I went to was Bloodhound Gang that my friend was just like, let's just go and see this. And it was the first time that it was like my parents saying, you can go out on your own with your friends as long as, Mm -hmm. because it was my friend Mickey. Yeah, he had uh, his dad wait outside in the car the entire gig because he didn't want to go in so it was just us three or four like very young kids watching this we probably shouldn't have watched it because it was quite a disgusting show thinking about right. it like the uh bassist or guitarist i can't remember who the really jacked one was from the bloodhound gang he downed an entire bottle of jack daniels in one go which is like medically That's irresponsible right yes and then he projectile vomited over the back of the lead singer during the next song it was absolutely (laughs) disgusting and then for the rest of the gig he kept on like you know when like certain bands think they're hard so they start spitting into the crowd or like doing like just being gross he did that and i actively was feeling revolt uh, revulsion because i was like you've just been sick bro like first off have a little sit down have a cup of tea put some toast in your tummy and make sure you feel better but also (laughs) don't be spitting your sick over the crowd that's a bad i like the stop no, exactly. Yeah, don't be spitting on the car. Don't be spitting full stop. I'll be spitting on people. I also think that like him being like, nah, I'm fine. I'll just keep going. Yeah. I, I can, How do I can you get do this that? Right. How do you, like, I've heard this whole thing of like, oh, tactical chunder, innit, mate? Like you go and have yeah. a little, have a sick and then get back on the <laughs> pints. No, if you're sick, go to bed. 
You're done. Oh, that was such a time. That was like 2013 or whatever. Like that whole, oh, the tactical chunder. And that it's still one going video on, man. Like, I, say, I don't yeah. know what it's called now. Like it's tactical puke, maybe. It's, it's maybe like <laughs> the equivalent. I don't even know what the um, Americans would call it. I don't, I don't know. I feel like overall that was such a, a like a tactic because oh, I can even drink more if I throw up at this specific Gross. point in the night. Gross. It's a bad time. We should end on something that's a lot more nice uh, sure. from Jacob Sawyer who says, gentlemen, I've recently invested in a PlayStation 2 with my partner and we have both been reliving our childhoods. Legends. Any recommendations? Also, Despicable Me has a PS2 game. Nope. Wild. Nope. Nope. <laughs> we will not be recommending Despicable Me 2 or 1 hmm. on the PlayStation 2. Okay, so are we just going to get the deepest cuts we possibly can for them? Because... I feel like mm. this is the this is our wheelhouse, Scott. We lived our lives in the PS2 era, and did. off the top of my head, I know that I'd want to recommend Second Sight. Definitely go and play that. Oh, okay, you should recommend Psyops because I, I know would that recommend those two always go together. I was trying to think if they meant like co-op stuff, but I can't think no, of that. No, many... they only get are to you, play. They only going... get to play what we we tell them to. <laughs> Get yourself um, Destruction Derby Raw as well. I believe that was the one that came out. I think there was a Destruction Derby game on PS2. Was it? Was it, was it I'm thinking maybe. I'm thinking of the PlayStation 1. You, you found, maybe. You I remember you Destruction Derby 1 and 2. I remember 2's physics being incredible. I remember yeah. like just crashing into stuff to watch all the paint flakes fly off. Um, mm. And just like the idea of... Uh, Destruction I never Derby Arenas. That. Oh, okay, okay. I never like raced in that game. I would just launch my car off whatever <laughs> angular part of the road there was yeah. um, to fly around. I might just be the, the jet lag talking, but I'm blanking on the entire category of PlayStation 2 games right now. I well, feel like you just got things to like Okami would stand out. Yeah, Okami is definitely a great one Beautiful there. Joe. Uh, Beautiful Joe. Oh, what a great game that was there. Um, God Hand, on, one of yours. Wait, on, on the PS2, I believe as well, we got Dante included, didn't we, in the port? Because it well, Dan came Oh, out. Dante was on the PS2. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And there's a little side story as well, mm -hmm. like concerning him, which is quite good. I'll tell you what, actually, I, I was slagging off the Capcom Cafe earlier on, and I will continue to do the slag mm -hmm. off the Cafe mm -hmm. portion Thank of you, it. thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the uh, merchandise part of it wasn't that much better, but they did have a little uh, like plush Dante that was like a little looked like Ooh. a like a little bun. If you know that, you know that like that range of plushies. <laughs> oh my god, I did get a, I did get a pork bun. Yes, uh, I know that Sleeping Dogs is like set in Hong Kong and everything, but they did have um, pork nice, buns. Nice, nice. Um, but yeah, you know that like those plushies that they look like little tablets. I'm going to describe this horribly, but there's a there's a rush of a style of plush creature that you can now get in many outlets. I think they're called like pew pews or something. Oh, okay. And there's a one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> He's lost his mind. Oh, okay. There was a one of them. Well, that... Are you sure this wasn't what you dreamed up on your flight back home, mate? <laughs> the 13 hours. Yeah. Um, there was a Dante one of them. A, a Dante Pew Pew or a Tutu or a Flu Flu or whatever the hell they're called <laughs> okay. um, in the Capcom store. I just wanted to mildly point out that that thing existed and I can't remember what it's called, but it was one of them. Okay, fair enough. Um, let, me, let, me, let me tell you. I'd also recommend, do you remember the uh, the game that spawned Guitar Hero and Rock Band? Guitar Frequency. Freaks? Oh, frequency. Do you that? Okay. Where you controlled, or maybe it was called Amplitude. It was. Uh, I know that we got one of the two naming conventions yes. here in the UK, and it was called the mm. other outside of it. Basically, mm. for those not in the know, it was a load of early two thousands rap rock, new wave, and uh, like dance music tracks. Mm -hmm. But you controlled a tiny little ship, and you would move between the vocal line, the bass line, drums, guitar, rhythm. Mm -hmm. And you'd have to input little like uh, prompts, kind of like the guitar here, I think, with the fretboard coming towards you. It okay. was fantastic, that game. I, I loved tell you what, it. 
I want to shout out. I don't know if you had the music games on PS One, but you can get like Music, music Two Thousand. No. It was just called Music Two Thousand, and the, the icon was like a little sort of like a little face with some shades on. Okay. And like it was just music. It was just music creation software, but it was like it was just so cool. And obviously, for the late nineties, you're in the middle of all the like uh, Brit poppy Brit dance stuff. Oh was, yeah, like, that was go, exploding then, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you could just go make your own pill pop and music yourself. Yeah. <laughs> even though I was like nine years old, but um, you're like, I was pass me that. the Eckies, mate. Let's go. <laughs> pass me the tiny Eckies. Yeah. And uh, pass I was. Pass me the pew pews. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I would recommend that. Um, that's on the PS1, but there was a music game for the PS2 as well. Um, I'm just looking over a bit of artwork. I remember uh, Mark of Cree. Um, oh, I would shout out the, Mark of Cree. Mark of Cree, um, that was with the um, uh, the guy in the front who looked like a barbarian holding an axe. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember that. It was, like Disney, it was a crossover with Disney or something, and they had like Disney it, artwork actually? and stuff oh, to it. I did it. not know that. Yeah, I always thought it would have worked as like an animation or something. Like it would have been a cool like two D uh, style animation, but they never went further with it. Oh, um, yeah. Bro, 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 hurdy gurdy, hurdy gurdy, please play hurdy gurdy. Make me make me realize that I'm not the only one who remembers how good this game is. <laughs> I remember hurdy gurdy. I um, I would also shout out. This is the weirdest pick, but my mind's just remembered this. Um, the MX versus ATV games. It was MX versus ATV. Oh, they were unleashed. extreme, bro. Yeah, yeah, but I, like as a co op thing, if they're gonna play anything multiplayer, I remember just going into the multiplayer and each of you were just driving driving around in that sort of like condensed space doing stunts over each other mm, and trying to um, mm, compete mm, and everything. And I'm sure in that game you could race, um, someone could be a plane, someone else could be a bike or whatever and you could race amazing. each other as like multiple vehicle races and stuff. I'm very hazy because of the jet lag and <laughs> because it's been 20 years, but I'm pretty sure all that stuff was in that game. So I would heartily recommend it. Um, and I think our, yes. fin- our final recommendation, and I know that Scott will back me up on this, it, mm-hmm. when you want to get the co-ops done and you just want to kick each other's ass, go <laughs> get uh, Tekken tag tournament that oh game my God. is endless fun yes I think we're, we're sort of like I remember reading something that was like Tekken Tag was a massive disappointment and I was like no it no, wasn't it, for no. us I mean the end boss with the giant lady with the oh, sorry, unknown the lady with the, yeah, unknown with the wolf ghost behind her I was a bit mm. like yeah, yeah. yeah it's a bit naff I just remember because I guess it was like criticised for being like another Tekken but at the time it was like this is beautiful it plays Really, really well. It looks amazing. The graphics have been mm-hmm. updated. You've got the entire roster of every single game that came before it and a few extras. Um, mm-hmm. You've got all the stages. Everyone's all the tag got moves yeah, as well. Yeah, all the tag moves were fantastic. It is a tag game on top of it. Dude, what what was the hate about that game? Also, that game's soundtrack, um, the the opening yeah, cutscene yeah, music, yeah, that, those yeah, little yeah, piano yeah. notes, like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, the, the PS2 was a good time. There was a, that, was a, that was a lovely time. Um, also, it had been a lovely time as the Entitled Partner Podcast, the UBP, the, yeah, UBP, UBP. the UBP, I've been Scott Tailford. That's been Jules Gill. I have indeed. Remember, you can go every single Thursday to our social medias and uh, find out the call, call for the call questions, questions, which is going <laughs> to be uh, over at Retro J with a zero for myself, and it's going to be at slash LP89 for Scott. Go there every Thursday. Keep your eye out for the call be for question. Beautiful. Thanks again for everybody sending in their questions, talking points, etc. And we'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Gato and Sayonara. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.